plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to this Tuesday show. My name's Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. If you could, leave a rating, leave a review. That would be greatly appreciated and help support the show, which will always be free and available for you to enjoy. Monday reminded me how constant the NFL news cycle is. Because yesterday, the NFL draft, which we talked about for three months, getting ready for it, and pretty much nothing else, felt obsolete. There was already, just two days after the draft concluded, there's already so much going on that the draft felt like old news. Now we will get into the draft a little later in this show. An excerpt from the draft wrap with Corey Chavis, former Viking and draft analyst. But first, three items to discuss from yesterday. Number one, the piece that had Vikings fans in a frenzy. It was a quick meltdown on Vikings Twitter when Peter King of the MMQB apparently made an embarrassing and unjournalistic mistake on his column where he wrote the following in reference to Teddy Bridgewater. Quote, he took one awkward step on the practice field and blew out his knee and did significant nerve damage, and there hasn't been enough regeneration reportedly, and here we are. That's what he wrote, which flew in the face of everything Vikings fans have heard over the past seven months. It's worth noting that on the day Bridgewater blew out his knee, Eric Sugarman, the trainer, released a statement that said there appears to be no nerve or arterial damage. Two days later, Rick Spielman said, quote, there is no damage to the nerve or arteries. So we had been told that the nerves are fine, arteries are fine. And that paired with the encouraging signs we've seen from Bridgewater on social media, and the positive things we've heard about him attacking his rehab, there was definitely progress being seen. So this report from King was awfully confusing, and fans wondered, have we been lied to, or is Peter King just off his rocker? Well, I think the latter turned out to be more accurate. Several hours after first releasing that report, Peter King, without any kind of retraction, goes back into the article and edits his mistake, changing it from did significant nerve damage to simply did significant damage. He changed the word regeneration for recuperation, and it now reads, Bridgewater took one awkward step on the practice field, 
and blew out his knee and did significant damage, and there reportedly hasn't been enough recuperation. I think the likeliest scenario here is that Peter King got confused. In the news recently has been Sharif Floyd, another former first-round pick who had a fifth-year option, much like Bridgewater. And Floyd actually did have nerve damage. His quadriceps are not firing correctly. And if you're Peter King, you're trying to keep your thumb on 32 different teams, you just covered the draft, your head is probably swimming, you probably haven't had much sleep, sounds like he confused the two cases, or another different case. Key to note that he didn't use the word according to a source, he said reportedly. And that probably means he's using somebody else's article or some other outlet to cite his news. And there is no other outlet reporting Teddy Bridgewater's nerve damage. I think it was a false alarm. I think Vikings fans can breathe a little bit more easily. That being said, there was a decision yesterday pertaining to Bridgewater's future. The Vikings, one day before the deadline to do so, declined Teddy Bridgewater's fifth-year option. The option would have been for over $11 million. And if Bridgewater's rehab were to stall at some point, that would be guaranteed money the Vikings would have to pay next year. It's the same predicament they are now in with Sharif Floyd. And it's the same predicament they found themselves in with Matt Khalil. Granted, he played the first two games, so that's guaranteed anyway, but their decision to pick up that option backfired when Khalil missed virtually the whole year. Now, there's one other complicating factor to this mess, and I still don't fully grasp it because I keep seeing different reporting on it. I'm trying to do my own research, but there is a rare clause in the collective bargaining agreement that enables players in their contract year to toll their contracts. Toll, T-O-L-L. Certain outlets that I've read, NBC's uh, Pro Football Talk reports that if Bridgewater spends the entire year on the physically unable to perform list, then his contract moves back one year, almost like a redshirt, to 2018. And the Vikings would still have him under team control. I've also seen in a couple other places that the tolling kicks in if Bridgewater spends six weeks on the pup list. And if you look in the NFL rule book or the collective bargaining agreement officially, it does say that the player needs to be physically unable to perform for a minimum of six games, which is perplexing to me because if you miss six and play the next ten, then that insinuates that you could play most of the year and still get an additional told year in your contract. It, I'm confused by it. My gut says that Bridgewater has to miss the entire 2017 season in order to get that extra year of quote-unquote eligibility. Still seeking out complete clarification on that. May have to reach out to the team and try to get clarification. But the bottom line here is the Vikings did not pick up the fifth-year option on Bridgewater, opening the door for him to be a free agent this coming March. The Vikings did pick up the option on Anthony Barr, former first-round pick, who declined in 2016. We talked to Barr about this at workouts last week, 
tried to ask Barr specifically about what he's been working on this offseason, and he's not one to give any company secrets out, but he said that there's a lot that he's working on. He said he's in a better place mentally and physically. And my theory last year, and though it was never really, really confirmed, was that Barr was playing injured. Barr was seen with braces on his wrist last year. He was on the the injured list a couple times with little nagging things, but I suspect that he was playing less than 100% just based on the way he was avoiding contact, not getting off blocks. And I always go back to the Washington game in Week 10 when he collided with Eric Kendricks and they laid on the ground for a while. I don't think Barr was the same after that. I really don't. The difference here between Barr and Bridgewater is that there's far less of a risk that Barr's fifth year would be injury guaranteed because he's not currently injured. And obviously, there's always the inherent risk of something like Sharif Floyd's issue occurring, or maybe Barr gets hurt very late in the year. There is inherent risk there. But if all things are normal, if Barr is healthy, the Vikings still get to make the decision. The Vikings do not need to honor that fifth year until the third day of the new league year next March. And they can make a decision then. So they're crossing their fingers that Barr goes back to the caliber at which he played in 2014 and parts of 2015 and makes that fifth year a better value. It's still worth a lot of money, over $12 million. And I believe the Vikings could still negotiate some sort of extension to mitigate the cost of that fifth year. Mike Zimmer said that Anthony Barr coasted too much last season, and I'm with him. I probably talked about this at length last December, but I watched a lot of film on Anthony Barr. And his aggressiveness all but disappeared late in the season. Just simple things like deciding not to help tackle a guy, even though he's being tackled by two other players. It's the little things like that. Almost running away from guys in the open field or taking really weird angles on them to avoid contact. It was strange. I don't think that's inherently the player that Barr is. And if his wrist was the issue, and we have some some glimpses that it was, it would make sense that he wouldn't want to wrap up as much because that would put a lot of strain on those arms. So it's possible that Barr and Bridgewater are both back in 2018. It's possible as well that both are not. All depends on what happens in 2017 because it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lightly type of league. Other news released yesterday, the Vikings signed 13 rookie free agents, seven defensive players, six offensive players. Fans complain they didn't get their offensive tackle in the draft. Well, they have two of them in undrafted free agency. Aviante Collins of TCU, Nick Fett of Iowa State, two tackles. QB Wes Lunt of Illinois will be their fourth quarterback. Reportedly, they're bringing in Nebraska quarterback Tommy Armstrong for a tryout to see if he'll make that training camp roster, and they may convert him to an athletic position like running back or wide receiver. At zonecoverage.com today, I break down the Vikings running back group. Six of them on the roster right now. You've got Terrell Newby, undrafted free agent, C.J. Ham from, from last year's practice squad, and Bishop Sankey from last year's practice squad. And then you have the big guns, McKinnon, Murray, and Cook. You can read the full breakdown on the website, 
But basically, it, it's pretty cut and dried, barring injury. It's going to be Cook, McKinnon, and Murray making the active roster. And then I think there's probably going to be one of those other three that makes a bid for the practice squad. And I think C.J. Ham is going to be the leader in the clubhouse for that race. He's spent the most time with the team thus far. He has a body type and a running style that the Vikings otherwise lack at 5'11", 235. The Vikings could use that power at some point if somebody ever got hurt. But I wouldn't sleep on Terrell Newby either, the 21-year-old from the Huskers. Very fast, very fleet of foot, fun to watch. Did not have a lot of college success. Four-year college player, never rushed for more than 900 yards. But his flash could be intriguing. All right, I promised we would hear from Corey Chavis on this show from yesterday's draft wrap episode with Luke Inman conducting most of this interview with Corey Chavis, the former Viking safety, who is an elite draft analyst. And I'm not messing around here when I say elite. What you're going to hear is not some kind of stock answer on a prospect. You're going to hear about Ben Gideon's special teams prowess, Bucky Hodges' drop issues in 2015, etc., etc. Here's a clip. From the draft wrap. A lot of these guys, when they come out, especially on day three, you're going to have to come in and you're going to have to compete on special teams. And I know you know that just as well as anybody. You know, the Vikings in the fourth round with pick 120, they got an inside linebacker from Michigan named Ben Gideon. And he was a guy that seems to be maybe a two-down guy. I'll get your opinion on him. But he was a four-year special team standout. Uh, what, what can the Minnesota Vikings fan base and coaches expect from Ben Gideon from Michigan? Well, let's, let's get into it. I mean, first of all, he was a personal protector on their punt team. He also showed up in coverage as an R5 on their kickoff team. That's a position closer to the kicker when he's about to kick off. He's been a frontline guard on the kickoff return unit. And he's also, you know, you've seen an anticipation and awareness of special teams in the Citrus Bowl. Go back a couple years ago uh, against Florida when he stopped the fake punt. So, this is a player that understands how important that is. I think he's got to get a little bit better in space, and I think that's the one issue that is sometimes a little segmented in some of his movements. But I thought he had, you know, underrated inside-out pursuit speed, and I think that showed up on some of those teams. And I think he's a little bit stronger and a better overall mover, and I think that's one of the reasons why he, you know, really lost it as only a 14-game starter in school up into – the fourth round. I mean, just think about it. You're really only a one-year starter, mm-hmm. and you're still a mid-round pick. We're getting deep in the streets now, breaking down a lot of these NFL draft picks with Corey Chavis. Let's continue with the Minnesota Vikings Hall, though. Another special teamer on the other side of the ball is going to be Rodney Adams, a receiver from South Florida. Now, a lot of people hadn't heard his name coming in, but he seems to be a guy that you want to just get the ball and manufacture some touches because he seems very explosive when you can get him the ball in space. Is that true for Rodney Adams? And at the end of the day, how do you think you best utilize him in an NFL offense? Well, he was our eighth-ranked all-purpose player. Wow. He Wyatt Switzer, and he was, we had a fourth-round grade on him, and Ooh. they got him in the fifth round, so I think that's good value. Um, I think he can stop the start quickly. A little bit stiff in terms of not really loose hips, and I think that hurts him as a route runner. 
Uh, they use them a lot on bubble screens and speed sweeps in school, and they actually morphed him from an outside receiver in, in 2015. And so this year, uh, they moved him more into the slot as they got Valdez Cantlin more involved in their offense down in South Florida. He, he still is a player that I believe has to work with. And only one thing, if he's going to be a legitimate kickoff returner, because you can't forget, if you go back this past year, he only had 24 and a half yards to kickoff return. But two years ago, you're talking about a guy that averaged 30 and a half yards to kickoff return and was one of the best in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, the biggest question mark for me with him is ball security. He's a little bit of a right-hand dominant runner. Mm-hmm. You've seen him put the ball on the – he began to switch it more to his left hand late in 2015, but you've seen it when he's running with his right – in his right hand, running to his left. You've seen those fumbles come up in Navy 2015, fumble loss. Uh, you've seen it also against SMU in 2015. You saw it this year uh, come up again against UConn, another fumble. So a lot of the games that, that I actually announced from him in school – Talking with Corey Chavis, one of the best defensive backs from 1998 all the way to 2008 in the NFL. You're talking about Rodney Adams, a a special teamer. He's going to add into the mix with guys like Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Uh, With Laquan Treadwell, last year's first-round pick, still unproven, you know, I'm looking for that big-bodied guy you can find and target down in the red zone and on the boundary. And they got a guy from Virginia Tech named Bucky Hodges, 6'6", 257. He's a tight end, but, Corey, is he more of a receiver at the end of the day? I mean, that's all he's been for me. I'm sure you felt the same way when you watched him. Um, You know, he's a guy that, you know, you look at some of the games they had this year, late in the year, uh, they're playing Pittsburgh or in the middle of the season, and essentially he's going one-on-one with corners outside the numbers down the field. They're throwing up jump balls to him the entire game. And so, you know, it went from him having some of those responsibilities, I thought, last year moving around. He's always been a number one receiver on occasion. I thought they began to use him more and more outside in 2016. Now, they still use him a lot as a number three receiver in some of their trips formation, uh, and they would motion him to become, you know, the number three receiver in, in some of their bunch formations. But, you know, he's a guy that draws pass interference penalties, so you can't throw those jump balls up to him like you're mentioning. Uh, I didn't think he was particularly sudden all the time off the line of scrimmage. So, you know, that's the one thing he's going to have to work on if you're going to just line him up out there uh, to create a matchup problem. I, I think he has to become more sudden. I don't know that he plays. Uh, or maybe even this. One thing that, that, that was interesting to me, he ran in a 4-5 range, he jumped 11-2 in the ball and all of that, but the 4-4-5 short shuttle, that kind of mirrored what you saw from him uh, on tape. Mm-hmm. And there have been some drops through contact, whether that's Pittsburgh 2016 in the third quarter, crossing route against Boston College in 2015, uh, a drop on third and four against Tulsa in 2015, uh, and I thought as a hold-up guy on punt returns, he's had just some average effort. So he's going to have a long way to go to prove himself on special teams to make this team. That's Corey Chavis talking on the draft wrap. And if you want that kind of detail for a full hour, check out the entire podcast at zonecoverage.com. That's our show for the day. My name is Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Give me a follow. Give the show a subscription on iTunes. Sage Rosenfels rejoins the program tomorrow. 
Let's dive deeper into the Vikings 2017 draft class. I think I'm going to win. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez, and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.